We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Welcome, Insomniacs, to another episode of Can't Sleep, Won't Sleep. As always, brought to you by Bucket of Wind. I'm Cameron, and with me today is... Mason, how's it going, everybody? Dude, I'm excited, buddy, because today we have another movie review! Some of my favorite episodes, I gotta tell you, man. I love watching movies, and I love reviewing them. I like telling people what's great, and I especially enjoy telling people (laughs) what sucks ass. And we'll see what we have in store for them today. What are we reviewing today, Cam? 13 Cameras. This is an interesting movie coming from the mind of Victor Zarkov. Yep, and um, if I'm not mistaken, it's his writing and directing debut. Yes, he wrote this movie, he directed this movie, and he helped produce this movie. This is an independent film. Pretty fascinating stuff. If you guys Google him on IM and you click on the IMDb link, absolutely nothing comes up. This guy is as green as it gets. And we'll get into the movie and see how he did in his debut. You know, um, like you said, it's an independent film with a runtime of. 127 minutes. An impressive runtime for first outing as an independent film. 127 minutes, right? Not sure it was all warranted, but... (laughs) (laughs) Feature length, nevertheless. Um, I couldn't find any information on the budget of this film, but I'm guessing slim to none, very cheap. Yeah, this is one of the ones where you put your own credit cards into it. Oh, no doubt. It seems like. The entire, pretty much the entire story takes place within the same house, but we'll get into that. Um, So the release date of this film, it was shown in Montreal, right? Yeah, at the Fantasia Film Festival. July 17th, 2015. And what's even weirder than that is it was released under the name originally Slumlord. Slumlord. Which is, seems like a misnomer. If, if you've seen the movie 13 Cameras, you watch it and you're like, Slumlord? It doesn't seem like that would fit with the genre, nor would that fit with the plot of this movie. So after some mixed reviews on the name and the theme of the movie, he switched it to a more apt title, 13 Cameras. And then that film had a select release in theaters April 15th, 2016. Yeah. So let's get into the stars of this film. Yeah, kind of interesting cast, right? Because it's an independent film, so it's all pretty much green actors. Yeah, I've never heard of any of these people. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say, there were a couple of surprising performances. Absolutely. And we start with Neville Archibald. He plays Gerald in the film. Oh my god. We'll get into that. <laughs> yes. Uh, PJ McCabe plays Ryan, or the husband in the film. You, more, you might recognize him by that name if you guys have seen this film. Brienne Moncrief plays Claire, or the wife, the wife to Ryan. Sarah Baldwin plays Hannah. All right, we'll talk about <laughs> yeah, Hannah. Yeah, she's a sassy-ass character. We'll talk about Hannah in a second. And then, this guy's more of an ancillary character, but I threw him in because I thought it was funny. <laughs> Sean Kerrigan plays Camera Guy Joe. All right? Yes. Cameron, uh, what... Do you, already know, do you know the premise of this film? Oh, yeah. Did you know we saw this film? I know the premise. I'll lay it out for you guys. So this young couple, a uh, pregnant wife and a husband, move to a new town, and they set themselves up in a new home. They want to rent a starter home. Exactly. So they rent it from this weird, fucked-up-looking man named Gerald who creeps them out. This guy looks like Quasimodo's and Herbert the Pervert's love child. You know what I mean? It's seriously fucked up. But kind of muscular. You know, like Despicable Me's grew post P90X. <laughs> yeah, he definitely looks like a zombie. Did a cycle of chemo and then did some HGH. 
And as he's renting out this house, the viewer is made aware of the fact that he has 13 cameras. Give or take a few. (laughs) Give or take a few set up around the house to view the couple. Because apparently he gets off on that. He's he's a very, very, very creepy character. That's apparent from the first time he's on screen. If you ever thought about someone who would be crazy enough to place nanny cams around the house to spy on the couple renting your home, this is the guy. This is the guy you'd picture doing that. And this plays off the familiar fear of, oh my god, is someone is someone videotaping me right now? Like, mm-hmm. freaking out. Sometimes it feels like, somebody's watching me. And I got no privacy. <laughs> Whoa. There we go. Yeah, but well, honestly, uh, this premise of this movie is very solid on the outset, right? Because I think it's a common fear that we all have. Oh, without a doubt. You know, this is a film that is clearly based around creating tension. Building tension throughout the duration of the film. Yes. To an apparent climax. And to mention Sarah Baldwin's character, Hannah, this couple, uh, the couple Claire and Ryan in the film... They're having some serious marital issues. Yeah, they have about as much chemistry as Sid and Nancy. It's not going well. <laughs> it's not going well. So Ryan, having moved to the new city, acquires a job. Hannah is his secretary slash assistant. He starts fucking her. <laughs> as you do. As you do. Of right? course. Of course, that's natural progression. Move out with your pregnant wife. Fuck assistant. Okay? Exactly. And I think this is kind of like, this shows what this movie is. To move into the review of it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. This movie basically is a, a sto- the story of the cheating husband, the straying husband, with the twist of a psychopath watching them in their home. Absolutely, absolutely, man. And I feel like this movie is, had, the, had the chance to be really interesting, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because I think it's such a common premise, you know? Yeah, absolutely. The voyeur... Absolutely. It's a typical fear among people. And like I said before, the the point of this film, it's it's a horror film. The point of it was to create tension throughout it. And obviously, from the very beginning of the film, you can tell that Gerald is the antagonist. And Gerald is there to push social boundaries, pretty much demolish all social boundaries. <laughs> demolish that shit. Personal space, all social norms. And... In seeing someone destroy social norms like that, it kind of creates a feeling of unease yeah. in the viewer. So I would call it a cringe fest. Absolutely. I, I don't think horror aptly describes what this movie's all about. Cringy. Yeah, like and I it. think that's where Victor, you know what I mean, as a general opinion of it, misses his mark, you know what I mean? Because I think he went to constantly chip away at the viewer's sanity, you know what I mean? Watching this couple be involved with this scary guy. Mm-hmm. And it kind of didn't even seem like that. You know what I mean? Well, to give my two cents on it, I feel like he he couldn't decide a path to go down in the sense that he wanted to create a scary film, but at the same time, he wanted to create a psychological thriller where you saw the characters in said film slowly descend into insanity while at the same time making it like a sort of slasher film. Trying to, trying to get back to like uh, hark into a psycho type film while at the same time doing an abduction movie, and it couldn't quite connect the two. Exactly. It seemed like he started with a really good idea, and then just tried to fill it in with as many tropes as he could. Absolutely. You said he he directed and wrote this, so what did you think of his script? Alright, yeah. Let's get into the script and the acting of the film, right? The meat and potatoes. I think this script is literally, Victor was sitting in his house with his buddies, and he was like, I have a great idea or a premise for a horror movie. 
You know what I mean? This creepy guy looks so gnarled, is watching this young couple. He has cameras in their shower, in their bedroom. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then I felt like, in writing the script, he just filled in the gaps between that. You know what I mean? Definitely. He just, like, and then he got to the point where the movie had this weird tonal shift where there was a kidnapping of a character. And it completely completely lost all momentum it had up to that point. And anything that was building. And, you know, here's the thing about the script. I felt like some of the best moments in this movie were when no one's talking. And it's Gerald by himself Mm -hmm. making inaudible noises, creepy as shit stuff. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, to touch on that, my first thought that came to mind when when trying to describe this script as a whole, predictable. Predictability. That's what this script comes down to. It was very predictable. From the first moments you see the obvious antagonist on screen he's just so guilty he might as well be painted red um that that was apparent throughout the entire film and it was an issue i had with it from start to finish you knew what was going on um aside from the predictability there were pacing issues and that is so crucial in a film where the goal is to build tension that it is paced properly especially in a horror film that is everything it can completely gimp your movie if you lose the pacing somewhere th- through the weeds. And you know what I mean? I think the acting of Ryan and Claire, the husband and wife in this movie, was passable, right? Mm-hmm. It's passable for a horror movie, but it lacked all emotional gravity. There were mo- points in this movie where if it wasn't focused on Gerald, you just weren't interested. Not it at was all. copy and paste dialogue from what you would see in like an after dark TV show. It, it was like where all a husband my was children, cheating on his wife. It was like all my children met a horror film. And it just felt so phoned in. And, like, so fake that even when the actors acted, you know, on par with where they should be for a horror movie, I guess, it didn't, you didn't feel any stakes. No, no, I, to touch on the acting, Archibald was the reason this movie had any shine yeah, to it. the guy who played Gerald all. the Creep. At all. He, the solid yet jarring performance of Gerald served to carry the film through its lulls, you know what I mean? He was the saving grace. Because he, this movie did have some serious lulls. Oh, yeah. He brought to life the most, one of the most obviously guilty, yet creepy individuals ever portrayed on some small screens, mostly mostly small screens, some big screens. It had a select release, but... <laughs> creepy as shit guy. Really, yeah. that villain could have some serious staying power if you wanted to do a sequel or a prequel. Why oh, yeah. is this guy so fucked up? That would be a more interesting movie the begin- than what we got. Than what we got. How did Archibald get to that point where he was so fucked? Because we got such little backstory on Jerry. No, you have we no focused idea. on the couple that was the most basic and see-through storyline, and it just left those moments where you're supposed to feel tense and pins and needles, feeling so heavy-handed. Because it feels like he's just ham ham wheeling this plot. Just oh, play it, hit hit it from the script. You know what I mean? Absolutely, absolutely. And to touch on what we said earlier about Gerald's ghastly appearance in the film, he looked absolutely <laughs> horrible. I love that. Oh, yeah. I love that. Honestly, if he were any less creepy, this film would have been even worse. Oh, yeah. Even worse. That's what I was going to say. If we didn't have Gerald looking fucked up and like weird and like oddly vascular. Oddly vascular. Although he, out of shape. His proportions were all weird. It looked like he used to be a bodybuilder. But since his last show, he'd been living off of Wendy's chicken patties. That's what he Which you like. see a lot of in the film. Right. This yeah. man's this man's talking cheeseburgers like crazy. Shout out to my boy Gerald. 
But yeah, without him, this movie would just be a complete garbage fire. It's a disaster. But I think the casting was great. So much to the fact that we thought it was prosthetics. Oh yeah, without a doubt. But then we saw uh, Neville Archibald and he looks like a legit freak. So we're like... A little bit. (laughs) They put some prosthetics on him because he kind of looked like a burn victim as Gerald. But Archibald, he's a pretty big guy and he plays the role very, very well. So what did you feel about the editing and the cinematography of the film? Okay, so the film 13 Cameras had shot in a hybrid, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The, some of the best shots were when they had those paranormal-like shots, when you were looking from the viewpoint of the 13 cameras stashed around the house, and creepy things were happening. Mm-hmm. You know, you had Gerald coming into the house when they were in the house, like stuff like that, you know what I mean? Like, those were the only pins and needles moments of the movie. Yes, absolutely. We actually felt the stakes were high. Absolutely. That's the only time I ever felt in this film where the goal was to invoke tension, I felt any at all. Any at all. Exactly. Because the thing is, like, dude, if the whole movie was good if you just take the handicam parts, but then it completely shifts to this style of doing traditional cameras on a tripod. Third person. Third person. It's not a real camera in the house. Mm And and when it becomes like that, is literally soap opera acting, acting out a story of a man who's having an affair. That's literally what it is, folks. Like you see, and the, the it's so unimaginative with the cinematography. Uh, the only parts that I felt imaginative or felt unear like uh, unnerving mm-hmm. were the handicam shots. Absolutely, absolutely, and most of those shots were of Archibald. No, 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 Brian, Brian no, Claire. no Claire. No slow lines to speak of. No words. It was literally just him mouth agape, exhaling, because he's a fucking pervert. And that's that's, that's why that's what's scary. That's, that's what's, what's scary. That's what's scary because and people like that may exist, and I'm sure they have. And that's the that's the great idea that Victor Zarkov had at the beginning of this movie. But then you know, just uh, and then Ryan and Claire. There were some parts where you were supposed to be emotionally engaged. Mm-hmm. And you felt literally nothing. Like, at some points when it was really emotional, the, their lack of experience as actors showed. You know what I mean? And it was so far. And we're not trying to trash a horror movie because you and me, we love promulgating horror, baby. Horror is my favorite genre, hands down. You know, we love pumping this shit up. I was just, we were supposed to feel for this couple because their marriage is being torn apart by an affair. And their dialogue is 75% of the film. And it just didn't carry it for me. I'm sorry. So, the sound and music, which we know is oh so crucial in horror movies, what did you feel about that? Alright, so this is an independent film. So I'll use that to cushion, <laughs> cushion the cushion blow as I comments. talk about this. So I feel for Victor Zarkov. You can't enlist a composer to do a full score for you. I get that. That being said, you need to do some musical work within your horror movie. Especially when it's a slow building thriller like 13 Cameras. You need in those pivotal moments of the movie, when the killer's trying to break down a door and get in, you need some strings, you need some elevating music, some music that starts starts working on the psyche of the viewer. Undoubt, I agree completely. I always say this when we talk about horror movies. You can watch the scariest movie that has ever been made, highly debatable, but you can watch the scariest movie, in your opinion, mute it, not a scary movie at all. Boring on comical. Bordering on comedy. And there was exactly. a scene in this movie where Gerald is killing a character. I'm not going to spoil anything here for you folks. But there were, it was, it's supposed to be the climax of the movie. You know what I mean? This is supposed to be everything has come to this point. 
and it feels so dry, so dry, almost to the point where it was humorous. We were sitting there almost laughing because of how like how weird it felt with no music in the background, no sound, basically. It, like exactly, like I was saying, this movie, it's it's a horror film, not too scary for a horror film at all. And so the point is to is to raise tension and be a psychological thriller. And they didn't use music to build any sort of thrill or tension throughout its duration. So it just feels hollow. The hollow. whole movie felt hollow. hollow. I felt like this would have been a great horror short. Absolutely. You watch those horror shorts on YouTube. Edit this shit down to 10 minutes. 3 million views. Uh, 3 million views. And I'm serious. You would have Rob Zombie tweeting about this shit. Undoubtedly, and I get—I guarantee you—if he caught this, he'd make a remake, and it'd be a little bit better, just a little <laughs> just bit, just a little bit, because this movie's already bad. Yeah. That being said, what do you think of the film, Cameron? How do you rate it on a scale from one to ten? Let's go overall. I'm giving it a three out of ten on the Cansley Bonesy scale for me because this movie has its exhilarating moments, but they are few and far between. Mm-hmm. The moments this movie makes most effective is when it plays on the fear of being constantly watched. Yet they took advantage of it so poorly and mis-executed it at times when they shouldn't have. However, the overwhelming majority of the movie is just this basic story. Paper thin. So it's a 3 out of 10 for me. What did you give it? I gave it a 4 out of 10. Mm, A little bit better. Yeah, but I feel almost the same way (laughs) that you do. I only gave it a little bit higher because Gerald stole the show. I was captivated by that character. He was menacing. He was weird. He was one of the creepiest people to ever grace a horror movie, in my opinion. We're talking Leatherface family levels of creep. He was very, very, very odd. Very odd. Well, yeah, and I think you and me both agreed. We would love to see Gerald in another movie. I would love to see Gerald in another movie. Not this movie. So, I give it a 4 out of 10. I recommend that you guys skip it, unless you've already seen everything else that's out. Yeah. here You want to have a scarier time than 13 cameras? Get in your shower and start playing Rockwell's Somebody's Watching Me. Scarier. You will have a scarier time. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. So you guys can stream this movie right now on Netflix, Amazon Prime, and you can purchase it on iTunes. Give it a watch. Let us know what you think in the comments section below. Yeah, if you think we're totally wrong and this is the best movie ever, your comment is the time to prove us wrong. You know what I mean? If you agree with us, let us know below. Say, hey. Stroke that ego. (laughs) Mason and Cameron, you guys are geniuses. I feel the exact same way that you do. And yeah. Yeah. If you ever want to connect with the podcast, guys, make sure to hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at CSWS Podcast. That is the easiest way to get in contact with us. We're constantly tweeting. You should check that out. Um, yeah. I think this was a great review, guys. Had a great um, time. <laughs> it was fun talking about 13 cameras. Um, this has been Cancelly Bones. Please stand by for further details. We return you now to your regularly scheduled program.